Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today, we are having an introduction to relationship. And that relationship could be, well, most importantly, is to ourself, right? And our partners and children and family, friends, acquaintances. And I think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is our ego. And with a planet that is overpopulated by 8.1 billion people. I can't believe we broke the eight. Exactly. And I can't understand how we can even mix and mingle with one person, let alone 8.1 billion people with our egos, because we all have it. A lot of us try to work on it, shed it, whatever it is. Most people don't put that kind of work in. But it's unbelievable when you're walking through life with an ego that you can actually have a relationship with somebody else. Most people, I think, end up looking for compatible egos. Yeah. And how possible is that when you have all the check marks of an ego, like being overly concerned with the opinions of others or just an unhealthy belief in our own importance? And we need to be better than other people and we need to be recognized for. It sets up a complete house of cards where the relationship is built on, well, codependencies, right? Exactly. Inevitably leads to pressure being put on whoever you're in relationship to, whether it's a person, whether it's your career, whether it's yourself, there's pressure to live up to something. And if it's with someone else, they inevitably feel that pressure and it sucks the oxygen out of the light. Yes, it does. And it keeps us separated from reality, right? Because it's not my true self. It's not your true self. It's a reality for sure, but it keeps us away from necessarily the truth of who we are. So a deep sense of fulfillment and peace, kind of impossible to attain, even though that's what's driving all of this. It's unrealistic expectations. It's entitlement. It makes us dependent on external validations. It's a nasty thing. Yeah. There's, I was listening to a meditation this morning, actually, and they're talking about like until you even start like meditating, until you start actually looking into it, we're not even aware that this is going on. We're not even aware like what our mind is doing to us, how much our mind is messing with us. It is. Yeah. It's unruly. We've said that before. So what are the different things that we can do to mix and mingle with an overpopulated society, right? And oh. get as close to ourselves as possible, I suppose. I always talk about the release and releasing and releasing in terms mm-hmm. of the seasons and those five phases of life. And I always think like, how amazing would this earth be if everyone, say just one day, 8.1 billion people just got their crap out? By themselves. Uh. <laughs> like if everyone just like lowered the t- internal temperature a little bit, just everyone screamed or got mad or whatever. And for that brief window until it all builds up again, everyone's just kind of okay. There's a calmness that just yeah. comes over. Remember when COVID hit and like mm. everything shut down and like animals started to come out of the woodwork? Peaceful. Peaceful. Right. It's mm-hmm. just like this quietude, this kind of a stillness that we're lacking big time. I and mean, it's just, everything's going the opposite. Everything's speeding up. 
We're bumping into each other more. There's more of us. We're going faster. We're never shutting down because we've overrode the the stimulation. There's just too much stimulation. Right. It used to be that nature would set the rhythm because we didn't have lights. We didn't have electricity. So we had to settle down when it got dark out. And now it's just there's no reason for us to even engage with natural reason. Like we're better than that. Can I tell you something? This is relevant in some way, somehow, somewhere, but I was in New York with the kids and New York puts me in a... Every time you drive into New York. (laughs) Before I get into this state, I put on my yoga music for the kids. It's like this peaceful (laughs) yoga music. I'm in Jersey and the kids just laugh now because, oh, mom's yoga music. Oh boy, we have to go into New York. And it's just the total, total madness, total chaos. And I thought about it. I thought these people are in a constant state of fight or flight. Yeah, right. you have to be. Otherwise you'll you run over. <laughs> exactly. And I thought, all right, why are they in a constant state of fight or flight? Every single move in thought in every being of you has to be premeditated from ordering your food. I think I got stomach ulcers because <laughs> <laughs> we make our kids order their food. I don't even care what age, from the age that they were talking. And I just pray that the server has patience. For... When they're like, humana, 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 like, this isn't the time <laughs> the for stammering. Ser- the server's like, I have a billion people to serve and We're you like, are having uh, your you children. You will wait for our four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> now you're, oh my God. So, especially in New York, and I had this fight, this internal fight with myself. No, your children will order. No, you can't do that because these are New Yorkers and they're going to pull out a gun on me. I don't even know. But so we go into this bagel shop and thank God, the man that we had, we had a line going out the door. And I said, kids, order your stuff. I don't even have the bandwidth to order. Was it Kitchen Cabaret? Hot bagels or something. The bagel, the place down the street. And Oh, but they ordered at Kitchen Cabaret too, which is a hot and busy place. So I don't care because I don't have the bandwidth to order for them. I don't know what they (laughs) order. I don't have the memory for it. So I don't even care. But so I'm waiting in line. I thought, oh God, please have patience with my children, please. And I did. I got a saint. And he just, he waited patiently. He didn't say anything. He remembered everything. And then at the end, he said, you kids did a phenomenal job. I mean, what are the chances that I can get a New Yorker that does that, right? That has a patience. But even from knowing exactly where I'm driving, I have to know exactly a left here, a right here, 0.01 miles, because God forbid. But that's because it's faster than you're used to. They don't have to premeditate. They're used to that speed. They know the... They're laying on their horns. They're flipping me the bird. If you wait a millisecond... No, you can't. You can't. And it gives me heart palpitations. So how does this tie into relationship? Well, you were talking about how life is fast and there's lots of stimulation. That is the If they had the time, right? If they took the time, and I don't care if you're in New York or you're in the Himalayan mountains under a cave, you still have to release what gets built up, but they're going so fast. So you're accumulating so much and you're never slowing down. But I don't care who it is. If you're not taking time to let go of the buildup, you're going to be pressurized. And boom, that's why they're all angry. And that's why they're all angry. That's why I wonder (laughs) what this world would be. How much less violence would there be if people were taking out their own garbage instead of projecting it? So how does this all tie into a relationship to self and our partners and our family members? Well, a good one. I mean, you just talking about your relationship to the external world, right? Mm. The most broad subject you can do. It's how do I 
maintain the integrity of what's true for me. Like you're saying, like, I want to raise my children a certain way and I want to wait one second after the light turns green (laughs) to make sure no one's running the red from the other side. Like if that's true for you, how do you maintain the integrity of that when maybe everyone around you wants you to be different or they're doing it differently and they want you to be different? Exactly. So how do we? Also, how do you not just maintain the integrity, but also maintain the flexibility to know, well, I am in New York right now and I don't want to be so rigid. No. (laughs) (laughs) I am not rigid. (laughs) I am not rigid. No, but for real, like if you feel threatened by something, you're going to really fight back against it. But if you know there's nothing that's going to ruin the integrity of your relationship to yourself, you're going to be a little bit more flexible, a little more compassionate to other people's ways, even if you don't agree with them. I try. I do. I mean, (laughs) I'm telling you, three months before we head up to New York, I am already trying to gear up and get set. And then it's unfortunate that I go to Kutztown, Pennsylvania before (laughs) New York, because there couldn't be a starker contrast, right? But I do. Amish are going down in horse and buggies. Horse and buggies. No, for real. We are stuck behind horse and buggies going five miles per hour. And then slam, we get into New York with the horns honking and angry people. And I do. I try to have that flexibility. I really do. I try to get my mind But you don't have that edge. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have that program downloaded. I was born and raised there. So I can switch to something and I'm like, okay, I'm driving to New York now and I can almost have fun with it. But if you don't have access to that program, like Neo downloading Kung Fu in the Matrix, like if you don't have access, well, you're out of luck. Do you know who else does not have access? Our car. Our Kia Telluride is so safe that if I, you have to zoom into a lane, the Kia Telluride goes like all beep, crazy. Beep, beep, it's beep, beep, beeping, it's shaking and everything. Is my Kia Telluride, you are not designed to be in New York at all. <laughs> have no edge. It's hard. It's yes, really it hard to, I mean, that's part of it. I think we were talking about with Michael about that, like one of the magic C's from talking to her, it's like, set yourself up. She's like, I live in Philly and I don't get too much crap for my lifestyle. Because of where she Right. And it's part of it is set yourself up in an environment that allows you, that's easy for you to be yourself. I remember when I moved back from San Diego to New York after I graduated, (laughs) uh, you know, from grad school and I was so high on myself. I just graduated from like Chinese medicine school and I'm like, I'm so spiritual now and I'm going to go back to New York and like, I'll be able to maintain this Zen And literally within like three months, I'm like honking my horn and like, it just was too much. Like you either have to sink or swim. And there's something to be said for just understanding who you are and what your beliefs are and setting yourself up to be in an environment that is aligned with that. So you're not always in a fight with your surroundings because that's exhausting. Let me see here. So if you're not trying to be somebody, so if you're Ego is all pumped up and you're trying to prove to the world that you are somebody. If you're not trying to prove that you're somebody or if you focus on the outcomes, I think that's a really, really big one. That's huge. It is That's the basis of everything that I'm teaching all day long is helping people go from the model of our entire lives are about where is this going? What are we achieving? What's the agenda? What's the result? And then not only that, that the result will determine my worth. Because then it's like, did I succeed? Did I fail? And if I fail, I suck. Determine your worth as well as your expectations. Is that the same thing? Well, your expectations are to gain your worth, right? right? Setting an expectation for something because you need to prove 
that you're up to snuff or you're good enough, whatever it is. And that whole model is just backwards. It's completely backwards. It is. Where we want it to be that we're taking action merely to give ourselves a chance to express our true self. That's the win. But the thing is, Adam, is that we're not even raising our children that way because everything is based on reward. I mean, I remember when we were potty training our children and every book and every video and everything said, give them a candy, give them a cookie. I refuse to do that. But even from the beginning, we are rewarded for our good things. Well, good there, it's okay that there are rewards are a part of life. Like a healthy piece of fruit that comes on a tree but is a great reward. But that's an outcome. Outcomes are part of life. You can't take out the outcomes. It's just knowing how to use them. But it's You're focusing saying, on the effort. We want to focus on the effort, not the outcome. You want to say, whatever the outcome is, I'm going to use it productively. If it's a positive outcome, I get to enjoy that reward right there and then. It is sweet. I enjoy it. I feel good. That's great. And then you take the seed of that outcome and you replant it because you're like, hey, that worked out well. I must have been aligned to my true self. That was a good thing. Let me plant that seed so maybe I can create double harvest next time. Now, if it's a bad outcome, can I say, I'm still going to get a reward, but I can't get the reward now. Entire tree full of rotten apples. There's no reward in the present because if I ate them, I would get sick. So can I sit there and be like, oh, well, this stinks. And then I have to grieve that loss, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to judge myself. I don't have to say, I suck. It's just, this was a bad outcome. What do I do with a bad outcome? Well, I have a tree full of rotten apples. They have no value to me right now. But if I can gather them all up and drop them at the base of the tree, if Mm -hmm. I can truly let go of them without forcing myself to digest them, I can let them decay. And once they decay, they are full of valuable nutrients that are actually going to spur the next round of growth that I could set with a different trajectory. I can make some adjustments to what I'm doing and hopefully have a better outcome. You're still setting an outcome. You're still setting like a vision for what you want. I want an outcome. I want good apples. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, cool. But is my worth determined? Is my happiness determined right. that? Can I still be happy while I'm on my journey there? Well, I was just and then if I don't that. make a million dollars, is my life over? Am I less than? Or do I just need to look at those results, let them go so I can let them decay and I can repurpose them for my next round of growth? So the old saying is it's about the journey, not about the destination. Mm-hmm. That is so overly said and overly printed that we don't really even look at the value. It really, really has. And it's a shame. But a little tool that I do just personally, and I try to instill in the kids, even though life is moving really, really fast, but a little tool that I use for myself all the time is what is the lesson here? No matter where I am, but what is the lesson here is the journey. It's not necessarily the outcome. It's no matter what happens, there's always a lesson. Always. That's the point. So when we put all the expectation, we put all the focus on the outcome itself, we cut ourselves short. So we get to this harvest. We sure do. And the whole point is really is to come back home to the true self. That home is found at the seed of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Not the stuff that's grown on our branches. Mm -hmm. That stuff comes and goes. The leaves, they grow, they die. The fruit, it grows, it dies. That stuff's not meant to be the forever. It's what's at the root that kind of is the constant. And unless you let go of the harvest and 
come back to the place where you're barren above the surface and can really connect to the truth of who you are. It's impossible to then regroup and set forth again in a new round of growth that's connected to what you've learned. And like you're saying, if you're just more about what can I learn so I can inform my next round of growth, life becomes really exciting. And you rich. always get renewed and there's always a new hope because you're starting over again, making an adjustment. It that becomes of, very rich and very nourishing rather than I look at the results more like a very superficial and you're missing life. You're missing, you're not staying present. The hard part is to take on this new approach you have to be willing to accept the full range of experiences. You still mm. have to say it's okay, not just okay, but it's going to be just as rewarding in the long run to have had this terrible outcome. And which means it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be angry. The negative realm of emotions of on the spectrum of from like bad to good or mm. uh, enjoyable to non-enjoyable Every emotion is valid because right. all the experiences are okay. Right. It's not, I only need good outcomes and bad ones. No, I'll take all the experiences. I'll feel all the emotions because I know how to release them and come back to my true self and then apply whatever lessons I learned. And now I'm excited because I have a chance to grow. And that's living. Living that, at its that's source. That's like, like good for you for taking in life to the fullest. And it's the long game. Like mm. people that do that, over time, tend to weed out the crap from their lives and strengthen the aligned aspects and the positive aspects of their life. And so over a year, five years, 10 years, you see those people starting to be surrounded by positive relationships. You're right. And instead of just constantly thrusting yourself into an exciting relationship, I need a new job. I'm bored with Zola. I need a new relationship. I'm bored with this person. And it's just kind of fleeting. Like we saw that a lot in San Diego, right? Yes. And it's like, there wasn't a lot of strife in San Diego at all, but there was also not a lot of deep root building and a lot of kind of floating around from kind of cloud to cloud. And kind of there wasn't this richness to yeah. the experience as much. We're speaking in generalizations, just as when you're talking about New York or sure. the generalization, but you start to see that where when you don't finish cycles, when mm -hmm. you don't let go of the harvest and come back to the self, you don't tend to grow deeper roots and you don't end up growing further out into life. It's a trap. There is one more thing that I think is really important to tap into when we're talking about the ego. And that is something that you and I really, really instill in our kids. I think we do. And we try for each other and for others is to celebrate others, to celebrate victories of others, to celebrate their lives of each other's. And I think that does a number of things. It takes away from self. There's not so much narcissism. I think it's very important because I think the aspect of jealousy comes in, or that always comes to my mind. And maybe I'm saying that because I notice when I feel that the kids could potentially have feelings of jealousy, which I try to very hard steer them clear, not steer them clear. I don't avoid it, but I want them to have a different perspective rather than I want that. Well, again, it's realizing ultimately, and you can't really teach the kid at this level, but the depth of the level is we are where our focus is. And if we focus on celebrating, we win. We get to experience celebration. 
and life is one big win. You're just celebrating everybody. And then all the time. And the cool thing is, and you don't do it for this reason, even though the mind would sign off on this is when you celebrate everyone, people tend to want to celebrate you and they want you around. Sure. And it's not why you do it, but right. And you feel good. And you feel good. And you end up surrounded by people that want to be celebrated and are celebrating. And when you are jealous or you're focusing on negatives, you will find those things. There's plenty of things to find. You'll attract. And you'll attract that. And people will be focused on your negatives. They need to, to be defensive on theirs. And it's just when you set forth if you're a seed that's just breaking ground, what is driving your growth is going to determine where you grow and how you grow and what you attract. In the summertime, all of these flowers, they open up and reveal their true self. They reveal their scent, they reveal their true colors, and it attracts a certain pollinator. That's the whole point. That's what creates the fruit. And people that get upset, like, ah, oh, I don't like what ha- what's happening in my life. It's like, well, what are you attracting? And it's like, yeah, you put off your vibe, life is going to respond. And you want to attract pollinators that are aligned with who you are and what you want to grow in this life. And if you put out a scent that is, let's just say, negative or self-serving or putting people down, you're going to attract pollinators that vibe with that. And guess what? The fruit you're going to have is going to be a result of that pollination process. So it becomes really important to think more about being your true self when you're talking about what outcomes happen than just trying to produce the outcome you want. So looking at this particular episode, we have a lot of episodes that are based on relationship. Really, I mean, it is the basis of our being and living. And we have everything from relationship to self. I mean, we have episodes on our marriage in us going through the highs and the lows of our marriage and some very vulnerable episodes that we're going to put out. But we think it's very important that people can see the dynamic and how you and I are working through the difficult times, right? And as well as the good times. I hope what comes forth, I can't remember yesterday anymore, but And those were recorded a long time ago. Yeah, we've been doing it over time when we started going through some changes in our relationship. And because I know we would like record one week and we would say we're going to record multiple weeks in a row. And literally after one week, you're like, ah, I can't talk about our relationship anymore. I'm so sick of it. You'd be talking for our audience. You'd be like, our audience doesn't want to hear this anymore. (laughs) We aren't even putting these out yet. And so we would like do them a little more sporadically. But I want people to see what it really looks like because. From 10,000 feet in the air, like we're talking right now, it's very easy to maintain perspective. But there's many hours in a week where I am not at 10,000 feet. I am on the ground, writhing in pain. It's coming out sideways and it doesn't look pretty at all. And I think when people hear us talking like this, people like think there's this like way of being that like allows you to always have this perspective and, oh, I'll be. I know I'm in so much pain, but I'm really floating above it. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm writhing it's on the floor just like in you. pain, just like everyone, right? Yes. And there's just a process to go through that I trust at this point that will get me through it and out of it and to come back to myself again. But that process, it doesn't feel enlightened no. at all. And it feels and it horrible. I was going to say, it doesn't feel good. It's not comfortable. It's terrible. But it's really important because... I think it's important for people to hear 
because people like to put out their best Mm -hmm. foot, right? Well, that's in public even, for sure. In public. But the old saying, the grass is always greener, or the whole Facebook thing where people are putting smiles. I don't know. I remember I was in Kutztown, actually. I went into a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and the guy there was like, yeah, Facebook depression. And this was like seven years ago or something. I was like, I don't know. People are getting really depressed because they're scrolling through their Facebook and everyone seems so happy and seems like they're doing so much with their lives that people are getting really depressed about their lives because people are just displaying. And it's not even like a truth. It's like they smile for one second and they go back to misery. It's just a snapshot. And so I think it's important to talk about this stuff. I think it's important. Right now, I'm just talking about marriage, but we have my mother-in-law, we have your mom on an episode on in-laws. And I think it's really, really important because it's the stuff that really nobody wants to talk about because it really rocks the boat. It does. Truth will rock the boat. If you don't have a solution, a path forward, which is everything about what we- We don't. (laughs) We do. No, we don't know the answers. I don't know where I'm going in life, but I do have a process that I follow that I trust will keep me- A process, yes. So it's like, I have a North Star, right? That's what we teach, right? It's like, here's the roadmap. You follow this very reliable sequence. Even though we have no idea the outcome. No idea. No, and that's scary. And and that's what we're putting out there. And I, I want everybody to understand that we're showing you the last year of you and I, of walking through a relationship and a marriage and relationship to ourselves and the power of the relationship to ourselves and the power of the relationship in the partnership. It's easy. No one wants to, like you're saying, no one wants to be in a place of uncertainty. No. And no one wants to be in a place of display. And we're putting ourselves on display. We're putting ourselves on display. Yeah. But I think it's important. I really, really do. That's whatever we talk about on whatever we are offering to people. That's the part when we got together and like, why are we doing this? Because we just like talking maybe a little bit. (laughs) But (laughs) We do. No, I mean, I think part of why we're doing this is to save our relationship, to like come back together to find a connection point. But I think in the grander scheme of things, it's we want to help people see the reality of what goes on in relationships and how to get through it without shoving it under the rug, without letting it blow up your life, even though it might feel like your life is blowing up. Sure does. I was just, I was out out West with family and I was telling them, I've been dark with my yes, family. Yes, you have. Uh, I you mean, haven't talked to your family in forever. So long. And I know it leaves people questioning, like, why is he not talking? What do people take personally? And mm-hmm. this and that, they don't understand. When things are unresolved, I don't want feedback. I don't want someone weighing in on my life because it's hard enough for me to process everything that's going on and the uncertainty. It's just too much. I'm too raw. So I go dark. And I don't think it's the healthiest thing. But by the same token, anyway, here we are a year later. And so I just went out and saw a part of my family for the first time. And I was talking to them about it. I was in the moment with them when you're face to face and connecting eyes. I was like, okay, I feel comfortable enough to share. And I think even a year in, they're like, so what do you think is going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And it's not as terrifying as it was in the beginning. And I told them, like, if you had to guess, I'm like, we're going to work through it. But I can't speak for Laura. I don't know where she's at. And if she can't meet me where I'm at or doesn't want to or can't, then I'm going to have to cross that bridge. And I don't know then what that's going to look like. 
And just to be okay with the uncertainty, it's taken me a long time. And this year has been met with so many little cycles of agony and grief, and then coming to a little bit of a clarity and then reclaiming myself without you as part of the nucleus. And little by, I'm still doing it where I'm just little by little allowing you to die out of the center of my life. And no matter what, that's not a loss because I'm just gaining back myself. And obviously it's a loss of your presence in that space. And it makes me angry at you at times and it's ongoing. And I just don't know then where that will ultimately lead. But the main point I'm trying to make, I guess, is my, my salvation, my refuge comes from my relationship to myself. Absolutely. But the relationship to yourself, we talk about this a lot, is understanding the truth, understanding your self-truth. And I think, I'm just more of a visual person than anything, that along the way, whether you are talking about the relationship with self or talking about a relationship with another being, it's so important to communicate. Whether or not you know that that truth is the truth, just to communicate a little bit. This is where I'm at. And you're saying you don't want the feedback. It's not about the feedback. It's more about, hey, I need you to be quiet now. I need a soundboard. And I just need to get out what I think is the truth right now. Because then I'm looking at it now in another person, not just with self, but our minds go crazy. And I looked at it firsthand because I've gone a little dark as well with my family. And if we don't communicate, little by little of that self-truth, then their minds run wild and they do think it's them and they create such an unhealthy relationship. So it's just important to every once in a while to check in and to say, hey, it's not you. Trust me, it's not you. I'm just going through a little bit right now. I don't want your feedback and offer up as much as you'd like to offer up, but something has to be said. When you're in a relationship, whether that is with self or your partner or your children or your family or your friends or your acquaintances. Or your career, mm-hmm. your boss. If you have a boss, yes. you're working and it's like, hey. You can't go dark. Right. can't go dark. You have to say where you're at because it's important. Just a little, even if it's a little bit, but you cannot leave other human beings hanging. You just can't because then we talk about the ego and we talk about trying to so what do you- mix and mingle. What do you do? Because throughout this year, I have been sharing with you. And you say, Adam, you're doing a really great job Mm -hmm. like saying your part, but you have not. And I know that. And the thing is, is that I have a very difficult time. You're so good with words and you're so good with understanding your feelings. I don't, I really take my time. I am late bloomer in the best definition from everything. I'm a late bloomer. And even when it comes to just processing something, when you come at me with something or someone comes at me with something, my initial reaction, and I've noticed this since I was very, very young, my initial reaction is so far off from what my truth is. And it takes me a really, really long time to process it. And I don't know why, but it just does. It is me. And what I should be doing for you is saying, hey, I'm still processing. Just a little check-in. Hey, just so you know, I'm not going dark on you intentionally. I'm still processing. You, and this is where I'm at. You started to do that, but then you don't follow up. No. Like, because then like you out of sight, out of mind for you. So yeah. you do that. And then- It's I, not. It's when, not out of sight, out of mind. It's constantly on my mind, but it doesn't manifest quickly at all for me. 
when I'm working with people on building their relationship with themselves. And they're like, so, okay, Adam, like you're telling me that if I am sad or if I'm anxious, I need to sit there in sadness and anxiety. And instead of trying to fix it right away, or instead of trying to just shove it down, I need to go towards it. And which a lot of people would say, oh, why would you do that? And it's like, no, this is how you need to release it. You need to get that charge out of your system. So you sit there and you separate yourself from all of life and you whine or cry or shout or scream or whatever it is. And people always say, well, what do I do if this comes on while I'm at work? And I'm like, okay, it's a great question. And you can't always respond like your soul, if your soul speaks to us in emotion, like what your soul is feeling. And sometimes I will say, hey, little Adam, talking to my soul, I feel you're really pissed off or I feel you're really sad today. Hey, listen, we're about to get into work and we have a full day and we have this commitment to our outer life here. So I need to fulfill that. But I hear you. I acknowledge that you need to get some stuff off your chest. I can't do it now, but I promise you tonight when I get off work, I will put aside 30 minutes and give you the time to express what you need. And okay, that's cool. People are amazed at how well they're able to show up for their life, how well their soul is able to calm down when it's being addressed. It's like a child. Hey, mom, mom, I need this, mom, I need this. And it's like, if you just ignore the child, they feel like they have to continue to send their distress signal. And they do. And they do. (laughs) If you turn to that child and say, Ananda, Callie, I hear you. I am busy right now. When I am done, I promise you, I will turn to you and we will address this. Even if it's just for a short time, it, it shuts them up. They're like, okay, not I have a, been addressed. Not our children. Our children. <laughs> then also, like, okay, I've been addressed. And if you turn around after you finish your thing, say, I, when I, as soon as I get off the phone, I'll talk. If you hang up the phone and then turn to your child and say, okay, what is it, baby? And like, then they say, huh, when my mom or dad tells me, hold on a second, and they're going to come right back after, and they do it, yes. and trust them. Now, all of a sudden, they start trusting you and don't have to send as much distress signals mm-hmm. to you. Same thing for us. When I turn to little Adam, I say, hey, little Adam, I know you're super sad today. Hey, I'm not going to ask you to show up for all the patients today. That's just not fair. But I'm going to kind of tuck you into my nook a little bit, kind of put a blanket over you, and I'm going to go out. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not dismissing you. I'm going to go out for the next 10, 11 hours and deal with the outside world. And if you want to join me, you want to pop your head in, great. But otherwise, I'll circle back around at the end. If I follow through on that at the end of the day, which often you won't, because at that point, your soul's like, okay, I'm going to be quiet now. Like you hang up the phone and Ananda's being quiet and there's another distraction. You just go to the new distraction. If you don't follow through on that, now you're insulting the relationship. And now that anxiety, the child has to give more distress signal. And then they're not going to take your, just your simple words when you say you're going to come back. But if you do follow through, and you give time to yourself to be sad, to be anxious at the end, it's amazing how much of a bond that forms within yourself that you feel what your soul's feeling. So if your soul starts feeling acknowledged and validated and supported and starts trusting that you're always going to tend to their needs, they don't Mm -hmm. send as much distress signal in the form of anxiety, in the Mm -hmm. form of angst. And it's just a way, again, it's how to establish the right relationship with yourself that allows you to live a more harmonious outer life. Okay. And so that's with self and going back. But it's with people too. Well, Because if you, going back to you and me, 
if you would say, Adam, I haven't processed all this. You just wrote me a 40 page text, and that's a lot. And I can't really get that now. But tonight, before I go to sleep, I'm going to read this and I'll get back to you. I'll be like, okay, I can finally let go of this. Because before I'm like, is she going to respond? What, what is she going to say to this? I put out some really big doozies there. Once you say that, I'm like, okay, I can chill out. But then if a day goes by, two days go by and you haven't responded, now I'm like, I can't even trust this anymore. Like, there's no point in her saying that to me because I don't trust she's going to respond. I get that. There's also another thing is there's some people who have, like me, who have a tough time processing or it takes a long time to process. But another thing is, and this is something that really, I hate to say it, but it haunts me. And I've really, in the past year, I've really been working on it for myself. But I've always, always been afraid of a person's reaction. So, and I'm a people pleaser. I am a yes man. Like I say yes to everything. I feel like you say no to everything. (laughs) I say yes to everything. You say yes to a lot. I feel like a a floor mat. Right. Okay. So, but now the issues come out. That is because of, at least for me, I'm afraid of the judgment. So even though I've come to a resolution of some sort of truth for myself, I am petrified of the reaction of the mm-hmm. other person. If I really speak my truth, will that person stick around? If I speak my truth, will that person judge me? If I speak my truth, will that person be mad at me? And I can't stand when people are mad at me. So that's another reason why it would be a healthy practice if I could say, I'm thinking about just you and I in our relationship and not being able to talk to other people. Mostly I would think my mom or a couple of my best friends, but to go up to them and say, hey, I need to get some stuff off my chest. I need a soundboard. I don't want feedback, but I'm also petrified of the judgment that the other person is going to take on you. Right? That's a big one. So Take that on is, me. Yes. Or That's anyone why I have, who I know. I told or, you, I've been I, shielding yes. you for a year. Yes, or anyone. And I have too. Once you said it, then I realized, wow, that's exactly why I haven't been able to talk to anybody because I'm petrified of then turning my best friends or my family on you because then that creates an ill relationship. And that's something you don't want in your life either. So I don't know what the answers are other than I've been working very, very hard on recognizing my self-truth and little by little being able to leak that out and talk about it and being okay with it. I spent years, literally years, it was when living in San Diego, when I finally realized how much I was paralyzed by caring too much about what others thought about me and whether they were angry with me or not angry with me or just even viewing me and judging me. I've told this story a gazillion times to people, but I remember once I become aware that something is dominating me or ruling me, it's like, that's it. I cannot live with this anymore. And I grew like a goatee. I couldn't stand that goatee. (laughs) I died. You didn't know this. I dyed it turquoise. And then- I don't remember that. This is before I even moved back to San Diego. It's the original time. That's horrible. You did it another time? It wasn't just the goatee. And why? I lost a bet and grew a mustache. That's what you're talking about. Oh, let's just let the listeners know that Adam can't grow hair. Like that literally is, can. He can grow like a whisker. That is ridiculous. So, no, it's the truth. I mean, when you, when you grew your mustache, it was had, like three pegs, like three little had, hairs. That's it. I'm out. But what do you mean? If 
I grow a beard. No, you do not. Okay. This is such a challenge. If we had a video of this now, if we had like, this was not just audio, I would, we would have to put up a picture. I don't want a picture. I don't want you to go through that again. That was 20 years ago. I will never go through that again. And I wasn't even with you. I love the <laughs> fact that we spent five years um, more, six more. years yeah. where we're colleagues and yeah. friends, maybe. And just you saw me single. You saw me like Yes, that. I did. I saw you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to the point. Yes. So I was so annoyed that I cared what people were thinking about me that I was like, I need to meet this head on. And I got in like the most disgusting sweat outfit, sweatpants and sweatshirt and had this goatee and said, I'm going to go to a party. Terrible. Didn't do like my hair, didn't fix my hair at all or anything like that. And said, I'm not going to speak to anyone. So I can't like make a joke of it. I can't diffuse it. I'm just going to let people pass judgment on me if they want. And I'm going to sit there. And the whole time I was just claiming myself, Adam, I choose you. Adam, even if people are laughing at you right now, I choose you. Even if people think you're an idiot or blah, blah, I choose you. And it extended beyond just going out and trying to claim myself in the midst of people. Did you shower? Did you stink? Uh, I, I mean, that would have been taken to been, another level. I feel like I may have done that, but now I'm so far removed from it. I feel like that would have been taking it too far. But a lot of garlic and drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> so you just I honestly drink. think I didn't. Shower. I specifically didn't get myself together. Everything Ooh. that I would be doing to make sure that I'm making an impression. But I took it beyond that because that I was just being judged just because, just putting myself out there, not having to be perfect, right? Right. But there was the other part that, like, kind of to your point, that was so concerned. You're like a peacekeeper. I'm a middle child. And I never wanted anyone to be upset with me. So when I gave myself permission to say, Adam, if anyone is mad at us, that's on them to tell us. If we're mad at someone else, we have to tell them. We can't be mad at someone if we don't express to them what we're upset about. Like that's, we didn't give them a chance to even respond. So likewise, if someone's upset, they can be upset. And the thought of that, just that someone is harboring negative thoughts about me was like, made me want to vomit. And I would sit there and just not allow myself to reach out and like justify or try to mollify. And I would sit there and say, I can reach out to someone and say, hey, I felt your energy a little weird. Just making sure that there's nothing you want to say. So I give people a chance to say it. And if they said no, then I'm clean. And I got to live. It took so much weight off me to just say, it's on them now. It's on them. And if they want to say something, I gave them even a chance. I even gave them a layup because mm -hmm. I know sometimes people are uncomfortable to confront like that. So you give even an opportunity. Tell me if you don't like me. If otherwise, I am going to go about my life like I am doing everything perfectly. And I'm happy to see stuff I'm not doing perfectly. But if I don't get the feedback, I don't have to live worrying every second. That took me like a good couple of years of practice until I started not just forcing myself through it, where I just allowed myself to be that way. And it doesn't mean like I don't care. Like I still go out and I want to make a good impression, but it's not going to determine my worth or anything, or right. it's not going to rock me if someone has a negative thought. Just tell me. I'm happy to make adjustments. It's a good one. Yeah. Relationships. So to the point that your relationship with yourself, the more solid and more aligned your relationship is to yourself, the more it allows your relationship to others in the outside world to be healthier. And to attract the same. Right. Right. So is that the magic seed? 
Relationship starts with the self. And there's a way, I feel like a lot of this, we have a bunch of episodes out, we've kind of like just skirted around the meat and potatoes of the process of the way that we help people and what the format, the roadmap We're, we have. We are about to put the format out though. But in general, if you learn how to be in right relationship with yourself, which again has five aspects, and then within those five aspects, they break down into many parts, but just knowing how to connect to your true self, knowing how to have a vision that is true to who you are and how to create a space to express your true self and to have proper boundaries that allows that and to know how to process the outcomes of life and to what to do with the good and the bad, know how to release, how to be in relationship with yourself, all of that, how to be in a place of stillness and silence where you're not outwardly productive so you can fall in to really hear the inner voice inside. If you can maintain that relationship and learn how to establish that relationship, then informs you how to be in relationship to everyone else in your life and everything else in your life. So getting the intro episode to relationships, it's really the foundation, the platform that's going to lead to all of that, I hope. Okay. Yeah. So the magic seed for today is if you want to have good relationships, it has to start with establishing a healthy relationship to yourself. And we will throughout this series, show you different relationships and talk about different relationships and show you possibly how we navigate through it and help you with that. And you're going to get more than you bargained for in learning about our personal lives. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. And the funny thing is, as we Mm -hmm. say this, it's unfolding. And I hope, again, people Mm -hmm. realize it's not like you have to know it's a happy ending to be able to be okay. That's a magic seed. All right. Until next week, (laughs) nothing but love.